You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is October 24th, 2020, a dark day for Atlanta United and its rather sunny history uh, because it fell to D.C. United 2-1 to at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was a game that Atlanta United had to win. It needed the three points to keep alive its probability of making the playoffs. Now, uh, the loss combined with Inter-Miami's win, which moved it above Atlanta United, sees it fall to 12th place in the East. Again, only the top 10 teams make the playoffs. It trails Chicago right now by two points. I'm sorry, by one point. But if Chicago wins tonight, it's going to trail by four. Uh, It trails Miami by two. Uh, Montreal plays tonight. It trails them by four. Cincinnati plays tonight. It only leads it by three. By the end of the night, uh, Atlanta United could be in even more trouble than it is right now with three games remaining. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And as always, Jason Longshore is gracious with his time to join me on this podcast to talk about the game. You can find Jason on Twitter at Longshoe. So, Jason, same question that I asked some of the Atlanta United players and manager Stephen Glass after the game, how devastating to the playoff chances is this loss? You have to be perfect now, and you have to be perfect, including matches on the road against two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference this season. Um, a loss here doesn't end it because, yes, on paper, you can go, you can go get nine points. This team doesn't look like one that's likely to go get nine points in these next three because they're not good enough in the attack. They're just not. Today was better, but it wasn't good enough. And you had mistakes again that reared their ugly head and, and cost you points. Yep. So to recap the, the crucial moments of the game, uh, Russell Knauss, 77th minute, scored what looked to be the winning goal. Uh, for some reason, Miles Robinson was on the wrong side of Canoose, even from when they set up their defensive line. He was on his backside instead of in front of him. Uh, But John Gallagher had a diving header off a a brilliant assist by Brooks Lynn in the 89th minute. So Doug Robertson starts rewriting his story again, only for DC United to score three minutes later, a goal by Rivas after just another comedy of errors by Atlanta United, which uh, it had its defensive shape, but for some reason, um, 
I, I think it was must have been Gallagher didn't come back to help Lennon. So he was trying to mark two guys. And then Robinson and Meza didn't move with Rivas when he pulled back from the goal to create some space. And it took three passes. And that was it. Winning goal. Uh, Atlanta United stays at 19 points and falls to like 0-11-2 when it doesn't score first this year. Yeah. Um, the first goal, I don't understand Robinson's positioning either. I don't understand why Robinson is with Canals in the first place. I would have expected – as we saw in other set pieces, Robinson with Donovan Pines, or at that point with Rivas, who were bigger targets. Uh, even with that said, um, that's a save Brad Gazan has to make. There, there's no other way around it. It's a save he has to make. Um, he could have come off his line and been aggressive. I think he made the right decision in staying on his line, but it's a header right at him. He has to make that save. Yeah, it's not the first goal uh, he's given up this year in which the ball either hit him or went between his legs or something. Um, it's like everything else with the team this year. Just if, it, if there's a bad break that can happen, it's going to happen. And that happened on that goal. We didn't get to talk to Robinson after the game. I, I yeah, I was, I was rewatched the, the highlights of the game and was just bum fuzzled by Robinson's initial positioning. And then the fact that he never tried to get across uh, Knauss's face in the run-up to the goal, it, it was bizarre. Um, and so, once again, as has been the case most of this season, Atlanta United switches off in two critical moments, and D.C. United uh, made them pay. Now, D.C. United is kind of oddly back in the playoff hunt. Um, if it can win its next few games, and it's now got seven points from its last three, I think. It's much hotter than Atlanta United is right now. Uh, I think the betting odds, I don't think that people would put DC United ahead of Atlanta United, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, coming in, they definitely weren't. They were a pretty big underdog, but Atlanta did not play like the favorite. And that's the problem is that this was one, you know, when you, when we looked at the schedule and we've went through it multiple times over the last few weeks, you look at the schedule, you look at games that you expect to get three points and you start, you know, kind of judging, well, this one's a good chance to get three. This one's a, a tough chance to get one. This was one that was a good chance to get three. And this was one that you should have had three. Yeah. And when you don't get three here, everything changes. And now you've got to go down to Orlando and, and pull off a win that would be unexpected. Yeah. To provide more context on why this was a must win game. Atlanta United's next game is at Orlando, uh, which is dropped to fourth in the East uh, tonight and needs to get three points on Wednesday to stay ahead of New England so that it doesn't have to do a second-round uh, playoff game. Um, or I'm sorry, so that it can keep home field advantage in, in the playoff bracket, I should say. Um, then it gets to host Cincinnati, which uh, by Wednesday could be tied with Atlanta United on points. Um, at 19. Then it's got to go play Columbus, which is in third in the East, uh, four points behind Philadelphia, two points ahead of Orlando right now. And uh, a team that when they met in Orlando, it was only a one to nothing win, but it seemed to me a pretty comfortable Columbus one to nothing win. It was like one that if they wanted to, they could have turned it up and gotten some more. Um, so Atlanta United is only going to be favored more than likely in the Cincinnati game. Right. Uh, 
So that's why the three points against DC United was so, so crucial. And you look at some of the tiebreakers, and if, we, if it comes down to tiebreakers, Atlanta United is falling behind in those categories too. The first tiebreaker is number of wins. The second tiebreaker is goal differential. Uh, Atlanta United has a goal differential of minus five, so it's okay right there. Uh, it yeah, depends upon what Chicago goes for. But then it goes to, I think it's goals scored. Right. Um, and that's not good for Atlanta United no. right now. Um, so it's got to hope that if it does lose to Orlando and Columbus, that it's not by big margins to really affect its goal difference, particularly with regard to Chicago, which has a minus four to Atlanta United's minus five, Miami, which has a minus nine to Atlanta United's minus five, and Montreal, uh, which has a minus seven right now going into its game tonight to Atlanta United's minus five. But that's the problem is that you're, you're down to a point now where you have to risk more to get three points right, right. Than, than worry about close results. You, you've got to throw everything at the wall in the attack and, and hope because this team you know, was better in the attack today. I do think it was better. I mean, we can compare to whatever we want, but it was better than it's been. It still wasn't good enough. And is it going to be – good enough on Wednesday and next weekend and the following weekend to get wins. Uh, it, it's got to be more than it was today. And that was more than it's been. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't totally agree with you that the offense was better. Um, and we were about it was to talk better about today than it's been in the last few matches. Yeah, well, 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 we could talk about that. I, I think I want to talk about, I guess the, um, the expectation of what the offense could do based upon the personnel selected by Stephen Glass. For the first time this season, well, there hasn't been too many chances, but for the first time this season, uh, Ezekiel Barco and uh, Marcelino Moreno, the only two remaining healthy designated players, started. Uh, Mateus Suzetu, who a lot of you wanted to see, who still escapes me a little bit as to why, started. Jurgen Dom started. Did you uh, think Mateus Suzetu had a bad day today? I, did, I just, it's like so many of his past games. I just think it was a day. Um, mm, it it wasn't disagree. a great day. It wasn't a bad day. It was just a day. Uh, and, I, I disagree. I thought he had a lot of good passes to move the team forward. He was playing in a deeper role, which I think suits him a little bit more than being a number 10. And I think it's the position he plays his best. I thought he was good today. Uh, I, thought he, I thought he was good in tight spaces, but I didn't think he was good really at a whole lot more than that going forward. I know he was in a different role, so that affects things. But that's, that's the role he's in, though. I mean, you could, if, if that's the bar, then you could say that Darlington Nagby didn't really do much in the past because that's the kind of game that Hosetu was playing today from a deeper position. Yeah, we'll just agree to disagree. Um, Barco and Moreno. Um, Moreno still looks like he's getting used to his teammates. There were a lot of instances, particularly in the first 20 minutes of the first half, that he and Rosetto kept running into the same spaces, yeah. um, which made it easy to mark them. Um, he had, I thought, the best chance in the first, best, the team's best scoring chance in the first half with his half volley uh, yeah. right at the end of the half. Other than that, he just had some trouble because he doesn't know the guys. He's had probably less than five full team training sessions with the team. Uh, Barco had a couple of good runs, uh, but you know, kind of like my thoughts about Josetu, it was just another game from Barco. Neither great, neither bad, just a game. 
and they uh, needed thumbs a up great for me. Game. It wasn't it wasn't great, but it was thumbs up. It wasn't it wasn't average, but it wasn't what you needed today because right. you needed somebody to elevate it even further, and you didn't get that. Right. So based upon that expectation is why I just thought it was just a game. Um, uh, Eric Torres, uh, his first start in a while didn't really do a whole lot. Um, and got and that the, the end. players in the attack as well, in my opinion. Right. No, there, really there was a moment in the first half and this stood out to me and this, will, this might be one of the things I write about, uh, when I do my next story, either tonight or tomorrow morning, um, George Bellow had the ball in the first half. I think, uh, I think Moreno had played him down the wing. It was, it was, a, it was a nice start. Josetto had a good trap, played it to Moreno. Then Moreno played Bello uh, into space down the wing. And Bello was dribbling. He's got time. He's looking up. He's trying to find somebody who's doing something. And no one was making a run. Eric Torres was standing there, defended by two guys. Barco was standing there. Moreno had stopped his run. We couldn't see the bottom of the TV screen. So I didn't know what was going on on the other side with, with Jurgen Dom or if um, Brooks Lennon had gotten forward. But it was just – it was static. And that's kind of been the case all season. And it's so weird because all the, the players that we interviewed on Thursday and Stephen Glass talked about this is a must-win game. Brooks Lennon said it again before the game. So you'd think that they would be running around like crazy people trying to find this goal to get the three points, to get D.C. United just to go ahead and quit. Um, and instead, it was just the same old, same old. It's, it's like that switch. This team cannot flick until it gives up a goal. And then we all know that when it gives up the first goal, it's not going to win this season. And it happened again tonight. Yeah, when you're not a good attacking team, you, you can't give up the first goal. And that's been Atlanta's story all season since Joseph Martinez's injury. Um, I'll give you another one that I thought summed up the, the day for me in the attack, uh, and it was involving Moreno and Bello again. It was in the second half, early in the second half, where you had a couple of shots on goal early that didn't really threaten Bill Hamid too much. But Moreno had the ball, and George Bello made a great run overlapping down the left side and was moving into the 18 on a diagonal court goal. And Moreno slipped it through to him, but Kubo Torres was coming back from an offside position and thought the pass was for him. Uh, yeah, I remember that. He yeah. tried to control it. It was a brilliant run from Bello. And I think when you talk about the, the intensity or urgency, or I think some have tried to simplify it as effort, which I, I don't think is true. I think this team is working hard. But the players who were showing the urgency or the intensity going forward were players like Bello, were players like Lennon. I think Dom showed you that as he tried to come inside a good bit and make things happen and also free up space for Lennon. You didn't get that enough out of Kubo Torres. I think you got as much as you could out of Marcelino Moreno. He was dead tired at the end of the match because this was the first 90 he's played since March. It showed. He was trying to do yeah, everything. And it he it could, raises but. questions if he's going to be able to play on Wednesday too. Um, it does. but I mean, Because if he couldn't recover the last time. I know, uh, and that's the thing is, but there there wasn't another option, you know. I mean, I, no, I yeah, agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It does, but I think some people are taking things like that to, well, you shouldn't have played him. But if you didn't start him, then the question would be, well, you're not starting your best players, which has also been said. That's where you're at right now. 
You know, I mean, you had to roll the dice on everything today. You put a very attacking lineup out there. And again, it was better, but it wasn't good enough. And you got three games to find a way for that to change. And I don't know exactly how it does right now. And there was a third moment also, also involving Bello. Long, long run early in the second half. He's steaming from Atlanta United's third into D.C. United's third. Barco is running to his left. There was somebody else running to his right. And Bello, would, he didn't get his head up. He, he was just, I, you know, I, I think there's just a sign of, of uh, playing immaturity, playing inexperience. But all he had to do was put Barco into that space. And instead, he, like, stopped at 30 yards and tried to take a shot. Um, and then after the ball went harmlessly out of bounds, you saw Bar- uh, Bello look up and Barco must have been barking at him, rightfully. You know, you should have put me in the Yeah, space. I remember and, that. And Bello kind of put his hand up like, oh, shoot. Um, he, he was saying my bad. No, I remember that one specifically. Yeah. Barco made the run out wide. And Bello, when Barco was making that run, had a poor touch. It was a too heavy of a touch. And by the time he could have played Barco in, D.C. had recovered by that point. So he well, used Barco had run himself offside because he was going full sprint. He was waiting on he the ball, waiting on the, the ball. ball. And then, right. he, and then he, he ran himself into an offside position. Which He's offside. That's what he that's, had to that's do. taken yeah. away. But it did open up space for Bello. I think it was Moreno who made the run to his right that opened up a little bit of space. Yeah. And he took a shot from – I was closer to the top of the 18, and it was blocked. Um, the poor touches would put him into that trouble. But, again, yeah, it's that chemistry. You know, I mean, that, that, kind of, that kind of situation played out a lot today where when guys did make a run, they didn't get rewarded for it. Sometimes there weren't enough runs. Sometimes players were waiting to see what their teammates were going to do, especially in the attacking half, because they haven't played with them. And th- there's a, another – and this, you don't have to comment on this if you don't want to. It's fine. Um, but, you know, Stephen Glass said at halftime, I thought we were controlling the game. At the end of it, he was saying, I thought we controlled the game. But someone said we thought we controlled the game. And my quibble with that belief, and as I've tweeted this before, there's a difference between controlling the game and being in control of the game. And you look at, at lining out its possession, 57%, but you look at the chances created. And D.C. created seven chances to Atlanta United six. It did more when it had the ball than Atlanta United did. And this goes back to, to Frank um, talking about, well, we want to possess the ball. And it, it became obvious at a point, well, it doesn't matter if you're not doing anything with the ball when you have it. And that's kind of to our points that we were making before about the lack of chemistry and the runs and stuff. Atlanta United still just doesn't seem to have an identifiable plan when it has the ball, as to how, what are the sequences going to be? What are the movements going to be to try to unlock the opponent? Um, you mentioned Jurgen Don. He had a, you know, he had a good run uh, in the first half. It's pretty obvious where he's going when he has the ball. He's going right. Uh, but it's kind of like uh, Arden Robin, you know, he's going left and he still goes left. Um, and put, uh, just to hit across way too hard. And then he did it again, and Hamid got enough of a hand on it uh, to stop it. And I talked about this after the last game with you. At this point, I'd rather just see Jurgen Dom turn that corner, get, make a tackle, get off a, a close angle shot, do something, but the crosses aren't working for him right now. So it's time to change things up uh, across everything in the offense. It's the George Costanza. Whatever you've been doing, do the opposite because it's not working right now. Yeah, but I think, one, you're redefining what controlling a match means. 
um, they are controlling the matches, but they're not getting the result for controlling the match. That's a separate issue. DC didn't look like they were the team that was dictating the way the game was played. Atlanta did. DC's chances came off of counterattacks, which is the way they were set up to play. That's the best way for them to play right now. They're not a team that can possess the ball. Atlanta should have done more with the control that they had. There's no question about that. But controlling a match, you can do with the ball or without the ball. Teams can control matches without the ball. I think the New York Red Bulls are a team that have done that in this league. Uh, Liverpool's done that plenty. Borussia Dortmund under Jurgen Klopp did that with their press. Without the ball, they controlled matches. It's not about is it control or is it not control. I, I don't think that's the issue here. I think it's if you're controlling the match, you have to get the payoff. And that's what Atlanta United hasn't done this season when they have controlled matches. They just haven't gotten the payoff. Well, to me, that's part of the definition of control is are you effective with the that's, ball? That's, that's different. That's, um, that's, the, that's well, a different topic. That's, that's my definition compared yeah, to Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's changing the – I think it's just a phrase that people definition. throw out without really thinking, what does it mean, you know? Um, so, now – Later on the night, looking at the games, I want to ask you who you think is going to win, and we'll go from there. The games that are okay. important to Atlanta United. Uh, fifth minute, Montreal at NYCFC, 0-0 right now. Uh, it's at Yankee Stadium. Montreal's been pretty inconsistent, but a little surprising at times. I'll actually go draw there. All right. Red Bulls at Chicago in the fourth minute, 0-0. Zero, zero. I think Red Bulls. Uh, I think Red Bulls are a tough matchup for Chicago right now. Minnesota at Nippert Stadium on the beautiful campus of the University of Cincinnati. Second minute, 0-0. Zero, zero. It should be Minnesota. Um, yeah, it should. But It should be. I, I'm, I'm not – I don't feel really good about <laughs> right. that pick. No, but they it keep losing the games they should win and winning the games they should lose. They're, they're yeah. a bad team this season. And that is it for the other games at – that Lenny United should have a vested interest in tonight. Um, I would not have picked Miami to win. Uh, that's one I will I, – I said it all week on Soccer Down Here. Uh, Orlando was your pick in that one. And, hey, the, uh, the odds makers had it correct as Miami is the favorite. Um, I thought Orlando was being disrespected there, but they didn't get it done. And to add a little insult to the injury, the winning goal scored by Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. Yep, wearing the captain's armband today. Wearing the captain's armband. Um, the assist on the first goal, Julian Gressel, a former Atlanta United player, um, tonight for DC United. Um, mm, yeah, just he to, did. Uh, he, he put in the free kick. That's true. Yeah, just to make it just a little tougher on all the Atlanta United supporters who would love to see those guys come back to the team, which is not going to happen. Um, all right, so Atlanta United now has. Sunday a recovery day, Monday probably also half recovery day, half training, Tuesday training, Wednesday walkthrough before it plays Orlando on Wednesday. And it'll be a fired up Orlando. Um, do you think Atlanta United, and this is a loose word, can win this game on Wednesday? Can? Yes. As by the, uh, the Webster's definition of can, yes. By what we've seen uh, out of both of those teams, no, they're not expected to. Yeah, they're I not. Agree. They, they agree. have to be almost perfect to win in Orlando this year. 
Uh, and that's the hard thing is, is coming into this when we talked about these home games and that's six points that you should get. Well, now you've lost three of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you got a point in Orlando, Hey, that's great. But now you've got to take more chances to chase three. A point's not good enough. And that opens you up on the other end to a good counterattacking team in Orlando city. Yeah. So Atlanta United, uh, winless now in its last five, um, kind of must win games at Miami drew must win because it was at home against Red Bulls It lost, uh, went to Toronto, thought it was going to get the draw lost in the final minute, lost again in the final minute to DC United. Um, not very good in must win games this year. Uh, and all of the games from now on are must win games. Um, it's, uh, it looks like it's going to be a likely a quick end to this season and then a long, long off season with lots of questions that are going to have to be asked of the roster of, of the front office uh, and of the manager, which uh, there's still not a rumor to be found out there. And I have tried about who is going to come in and lead this team and what uh, responsibilities or freedoms are going to be given to do so. Yeah, I, I have not heard anything either, so I got nothing to add to that. Um, you're going to have an offseason with this club not making the playoffs for the first time. That'll be unlike one we've ever seen here in Atlanta, where those questions will be asked. Everything will be examined, and the team, one, will need to get Joseph Martinez back. Luckily, it seems like everything is moving in a positive direction there. But they've also got to make some key decisions about – the depth chart moving forward. I think the defensive midfield position is one that will need to be addressed and looked at. You know, some players who are up at the end of their contracts or on option years, decisions are going to have to be made there because to bring in a lot of additions, you're going to have to clear cap space. And that might be easy. It might not. It's hard to know, you know, who's up on an option, who could be out of contract, who could be off the roster to clear that space. We don't really know those things right now. And just to, to – we've talked about this before, but to circle back, uh, assuming the CBA is going to be ratified for next season because it has to be re-ratified again um, because of what happened this year, there are going to be mechanisms – or there are supposed to be mechanisms in place that Atlanta United can strengthen the roster, uh, but it's the same mechanisms that every team can take advantage of. Right. Um, so it just depends on how good Atlanta United is at scouting and finding the talent to sign. And that's a whole another podcast for another time based upon uh, results this season and last season. No, uh, that, that, that's accurate, but there is still a cap space issue. I mean, yeah, even yeah, no, no, but a lot of, I mean, there, there are some players that I bet we won't go do it on this podcast, but. Uh, maybe at the end of the season we can go in, into a guessing game as to who we think is going to come back and not. Um, oh, yeah. No, the, so, the hard thing about that, I think, especially right now, is not knowing contract situations. Because it's, it's one thing to say, should this player come back, should they not come back? But guys on multiple-year contracts, it's a different conversation if you wanted to move them or not. So that's where that conversation can get tricky. And you're going to need to clear some cap space one way or another. All right, Jason, what do you have upcoming? 
We've got a probably doozy of an overreaction Monday, <laughs> um, Monday morning. I'm sure that's going to be loads of fun. I'll make sure that I have uh, an extra cup of, of mate ready to go for that one. Well, 9 o'clock, uh, twitch.tv slash soccer down here or on our soccer down here app, which you can download for Android or iOS or on soccerdownhere.net. And then we'll get into uh, all the other soccer around the world on soccer over there Monday night at 7 o'clock with Nick Alifi and Jarrett Smith, where we'll talk about El Clasico today, which yeah. was a little controversial. Big win for Real Madrid. Uh, we'll talk about all the matches in the Premier League today and anything else that's going on around the world. Lots of stuff with another Champions League week next week. There you go. And it is 7.52 p.m. here uh, in Carrollton, Georgia. And through 11 to 12 minutes of those games we talked about before, they're all still scoreless. Um, <laughs> again, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Please, please consider following me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. My email and contact information is at the bottom of almost every story I post. Uh, please consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We have a gigantic election upcoming, and we will have it covered very well from a state perspective, as well as a perspective from D.C., because we have reporters there. Uh, I hope you'll consider subscribing to everyone who covers Atlanta United, uh, Siempre United, Mouths of the South, uh, Dirty South Soccer, um, uh, SoccerDownHere.net, um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting others, but uh, no offense, please. I'm just tired. Um, all right. Atlanta United, 2-1 losers to D.C. United, October 24th, 2020. Atlanta United stuck on 19 points in 12th place in the East. Only the top 10 teams make it. Atlanta United will be back in action on Wednesday at Orlando with three games remaining. All are must win if the five stripes have any chance of making the playoffs. Y'all take care. Be safe. Say something kind to somebody today. And stay healthy. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.